Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. I love this psalm. It's so pastoral, and it's poetic, uh, as well as it's uh, filled with beautiful imagery. But it's written in a setting that we would not uh, be very comfortable with today. What does that mean to you? Because it's, it's about a shepherd and sheep. And so in 2021, how can that psalm be relevant to me, uh, written in a rural setting, things that I might not be familiar with. What does it mean to you? What does it mean for kids who are experiencing pressure in school? Or what does it mean for you if you're having issues with your career or job or the lack thereof or family problems, life difficulties, uh, health issues that you are facing? What is the significance of this for you, what you're going through right now? Well, I think a great deal. Some of you, I mean, are going through just significant stuff, serious issues. It's kind of like you either had serious issues, you're going through serious issues, or you will be going through them in the future because life is, is hard and many of you are struggling. But So what does Psalm 23 has to say to us in that environment today? How is that relevant? Now, First of all, uh, the scripture uses a lot of the shepherd-sheep analogy, and some of the great men of the Bible were shepherds like Moses, uh, Abraham, David. And interestingly, Jesus himself describes himself as the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. So in that particular analogy, Jesus, the good shepherd, we know he died for our sins, laid down his life for the sheep. That makes us the sheep. Now, I grew up in sheep country in southeastern Iowa, and it's not, it's not very complimentary to, uh, for us to be likened unto a sheep because they're pretty stupid animals. I was always amazed once a year we'd have this kind of celebration called the Old Soldiers and Seculars Reunion, and one of the things they had was a contest of sheep shearers, and so the boys who sheared sheep they would race each other. You could get the wool off the fastest. And these sheep, they didn't even struggle. They just flopped them around here and there and nicked them here and there and down the other. They were really dumb. And I've, I've seen them fall into holes and not even really make any attempt to get out or get lost uh, right, right when uh, the, the barn was right there. They'd get lost and just couldn't find their way. So it's not very complimentary, but actually it's kind of true because... How many times have I said to myself, that was really a stupid thing to do? Oh, that was a dumb remark to make. Or why did I do that? That was really stupid. And all of us, we know that we've all done really dumb things. So how is this relevant to us? Well, first of all, because we do do dumb things. And it says the Lord is my shepherd and I don't lack anything. He satisfies all of my needs. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But is that really true? Is that true of you? I mean, we do want. Uh, and we, we do seek to get. And we do want stuff or things that we think will bring fulfillment. But if you want, 
then it might be obvious that the Lord is really not your shepherd. You're looking for other things to bring you uh, fulfillment. It could be your job. If that's your, you're struggling with your job, you're, you're, you're striving, you're trying to get ahead, then if, that, if that's the case, then the job is your shepherd or education could be your shepherd and you'll end up disillusioned or, or another person is your shepherd. You're looking for fulfillment from that other person. You can end up disappointed and empty. See, so is the Lord really your shepherd? The one you look to, the one you trust, the one that you find fulfillment in, or do you want? See, that's a truth detector. There are certain scriptures, they're just truth detectors. And this is what it is. It's telling you whether Jesus is really your shepherd or not. The other thing is, he says, and the shepherd gives direction. He leads me in, into the right paths. He restores my soul. He leads me into right paths. Oftentimes, Linda and I, we've had to make, like every family, we've had to make really serious decisions that would affect us, but also uh, others. And we didn't know what to do. And so we would seek God and seek God for his direction because we knew he had the right path. We'd be okay if we got on the right path. We didn't want to get on the wrong path. And so we, we sought our direction. We, our dependency was upon him. I need wisdom. I need him. I need a shepherd who has wisdom, someone who knows the trails and the right path that I can trust, a shepherd who knows the way. One time we were, I was up in the Rocky Mountains with a friend from Mississippi named Tommy, and we had ridden horses up, a good portion up the height and tied off the horses there and hiked on up above tree line and came time to go down and we didn't remember the path we were on because we'd followed some kind of a game trail. And I remember I told Tommy, stand still and I'll make a little circle and I'll come back to him. We come back to him, he was gone. Thought, well, I just got to go down, we got to find these horses. And as I started down the path, I come face to face with a big bear that had two cubs and she was surprised, and I was surprised, and she saw me as a threat. And I was in a pretty dangerous situation there. I got on the wrong path. And when you get on the wrong path, you'll face bears in your life. Now, evidently, she didn't kill me, or I wouldn't be here. But I understood how important it was to get on the right path. He leads me to the right path. And so that's relevant, isn't it? And the other thing is the shepherd provides protection. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why won't I fear? Because you are with me. Years ago, I had a major heart attack the day after Father's Day, and I woke my wife up and I said, I'm having a heart attack. You got to get me to the hospital. I don't think we can wait for the ambulance because we live some distance away. And uh, she drove me there. Sure enough, I was having a heart attack. They gave me some blood thinners. And they, they said, we can't handle this. This is too serious. We have to lifelight you to the university hospital. There was a fog, and they couldn't fly. And Linda went out and prayed, and the fog lifted, and they flew me there. But through that whole process, I, was, I, didn't, I wasn't afraid. I had peace. Uh, I even thought rather humorously, I've always wanted to take a flight in the helicopter. Uh, those kind of thoughts. But I was at perfect peace because somehow 
Jesus was there with me. And even though I walked through the valley of death, I wasn't afraid because his presence was there with me. Now, he changes, the psalmist now changes to a different metaphor. It was shepherd and sheep, but now it becomes he sees God as a gracious host. He says in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, we all know life can be hard and there are enemies there, but God takes care of us. God doesn't promise us a life without difficulty or without enemies, but he does promise security and provision in the midst of it. He said to the Apostle Paul, who was going through a really serious issue, he says, in the midst of this issue you're going through, my grace will be sufficient for you. I will make a provision for you, not out of it, but through the, the midst of it. God provides a banquet in the presence of enemies. I find this amazing picture because here's a table spread. There's enemies all around, vicious enemies that want to destroy, and God prepares a banquet there for David in the presence of his enemies. And this picture uh, encompasses, really, it includes all of David's previous analogies that God feeds as a shepherd, he feeds, he protects, he restores, he, uh, he leads. And, uh, but this one here is also talking about security in the midst of danger. He provides security uh, in the presence of enemies that are powerless to interfere. Years ago, I was leading a church and God began to save people who had been involved in the illicit drug trade. We were sharing the gospel and God was arresting those people and we and saving them and we began to provide safe houses for them. In the midst of that, I received a, a visit from the chief of police and he said, hey, I just want you to know that an informant has said that there is uh, a hit on your life and uh, we want to provide surveillance and protection and even put uh, officers in your church services. I, 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 I'm not, I don't want you to feel I was foolish, but somehow I had such a sense of security in God. I didn't have any fear or unrest about that. I didn't want to change anything in my lifestyle. And, and actually, after one Sunday, I said to the police chief, we don't, I don't really want that. I don't need that. And clearly, God had provided for me a sense of security. I'm not foolish. I'm not stupidly brave. It just, I, I, I felt it was going to be okay. Our enemies, uh, our enemies uh, often come against us in a way that we didn't uh, fully anticipate at all. And uh, they accuse us and we know that we're guilty. We have shame of past things we've done, guilt, uh, all the sins that we've committed, things that we've done. We, we, if we could, we'd go back and change, but we, we can't change that. It reminds me of Martin Luther that uh, he had a vision of the devil rolling out a huge scroll and had a list of all his sins, and he read, and they were all accurate, and he felt so condemned, and uh, then the scripture came to him, but the blood of Jesus 
It cleanses me from all sin. <laughs> and the, the devil and the scroll disappeared in that moment. Our enemies accuse us in the midst of it. God provides a banquet for us. You see, this, this picture actually grows out of a real historical event in David's life when there, he was king of Israel and there was a coup on his life and le actually led by his rebellious son. And he was chased off into the desert with a few of his army and uh, they were weary and exhausted and uh, they were being hunted down. And three people that weren't even uh, Israelites approached them and brought them bedding and food and refreshment, basically a banquet for him in the midst of his enemies. So this was a real experience for him. It wasn't just some kind of theory. He'd been there. He'd experienced that. He could look back on that real experience in his life. This one of the advantages as I get older is I can look back on real experiences in my life. It's not theory. I've experienced these things. Paul said, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. He anoints my head with oil. Ah, that's another strange picture for us. We're not used to that in Western culture, but in the East, anointing of oil was really a special thing. Anointing of oil meant it was an act of welcome or it was uh, a priest would be anointed, set apart as holy unto God. A king would be anointed with oil as a, a symbol of God's a favor. So to be anointed was to be considered, uh, it was a status issue. It, it was holy to God. And David uh, was anointed. Uh, he has a status. That opposition that he faces cannot possibly match. Today, oil uh, in Scripture is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and God freely gives us his Holy Spirit. David said, my cup runs over. Yeah, some people think to follow Jesus is to, is to not have fun anymore. No, it's absolutely the opposite. My cup runs over. It speaks of abundance. Jesus has come to give us an abundant kind of life. Then he concludes things by, by saying these words. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all of my lifetime, in verse 6. Now, He's passed through the green pastures, through the dark valleys, the banquet of God's provision and security. And he concludes with this, God's goodness and mercy will follow me all of my lifetime. Now, in some ways, that picture's a bit ruined for us because it says follow. And uh, if, if, if goodness and mercy is following me, I'm looking back and saying, come on, catch up, please. Uh, don't lag behind me. But that's not really the Hebrew rendering of the word. The Hebrew translation of that word basically means pursue. So instead of follow, he's saying, goodness and mercy are pursuing me. They are chasing me down. And uh, in contrast to the pursuit of enemies, God's uh, goodness and mercy is pursuing after me. Years ago, I read an analogy from a guy named John Piper. I may not get it exactly right, but close enough. He said, David has painted for us a little uh, picture. Uh, imagine yourself driving kind of nonchalantly down the freeway, and all of a sudden you see red lights flashing and highway patrolman is, is chasing you down. And for some crazy reason, you panic. You make this irrational decision, 
and you push on the accelerator. Well, there's no way your car's an old clunker. You push on this accelerator racing down the highway and a patrolman catches up with you and pulls you over. You, you were remembering all the times you'd broken the speed limit. You were remembering that you'd worked for so long just to have this vacation in Florida with your family. And that could be gone. And you'd lose your license if you got one more ticket. And uh, all the things that you were guilty of. And that was what was playing in your mind. And he pulls you over and you roll down the window. And as he approached... And he, he says something to you like this. So, got a little guilty conscience there, don't we? And uh, then he reaches into his pocket and he, he pulls out your wallet. And he says, that hotel you just left, I happened to be there and you left your wallet on the counter and they asked if I could catch you and return it to you. Well, how are you going to feel? You feel like an utter fool. You reach out and take it. And the officer says, oh, yeah, one more thing. He said, uh, when you signed in to the hotel, you registered for this contest for their hotel chain, uh, sweepstakes, and you won a free trip for your family to Florida. And if you phone in your acceptance by noon, you're, you're good to go. As ridiculous as it is, that's what the psalm is saying. God is not only your good shepherd, and he's not only your lavish, gracious host, he's also, like this highway patrolman, uh, with goodness and mercy that's pursued you and chased you down uh, all the days of your life. You know, we pursue it, but we don't need to because it's pursuing us. We, we have a Bill of Rights that says that you are entitled to the pursuit of happiness. So I just say that you can pursue it all you want, but you will never catch happiness. Temporary, it's gone. The, the, the garbage dump is full of things that were going to make us happy, no longer are valid to us. We all, somehow we, we know that, but we pursue it just the same in order to, save ourselves in order to find some sort of happiness and fulfillment. And sometimes we can go into the survival mode. If I just got this, if I just got that. But see, that's what, as a follower of Jesus, you don't have to pursue those things. Fact is, what you really need is pursuing you. It can be so dangerous. You say, you know, I, I need some peace. I need some rest. And you can pursue those things. Uh, through a counterfeit world, actually. I need some rest, which means I need a break. I need to go on a vacation. I'm seeking rest if I could just get a break. Or comfort, and you seek it in maybe um, physical love somewhere, or, or safety. I, I, so you seek it in removing yourself from those things you view as dangerous and isolate. Or you can seek peace by pushing away uh, all pain and suffering, drowning it maybe in relationships or substances to somehow, if I take, I take this, I feel better, I get peace. The, the stuff goes away. Instead of survival, God is one who actually has all that we need. We find it in him. Again, 
John Piper uh, revisits this analogy. It's, it's a bit of a stretch, I think, actually. He says, okay, so just when you are breathing easy now, the highway patrolman is, seems like nice. He, he, he says, I'm going to arrest you now. And he takes you out of your old car and he puts you in the back seat of his patrol car. And instead of driving to the courthouse, so he drives out in the country and pulls into this amazing lane with this incredible gate and drives down this lane with, that's uh, lined with 100-year-old oaks and up to this absolutely indescribable mansion. And he, he says, what are we here for? He says, well, I, I want you to live with me and I'm going to get your family and hopefully they won't run. And I want them all to come and live here with me and be taken care of. Uh, you see, that's what David basically says. The Lord's my shepherd, and he feeds, and he protects, he restores, and he leads. He's my gracious host that provides sustenance. He gives me honor in a banquet in the presence of my enemies. He pursues me. He's chasing me down with goodness, not judgment, not condemnation, but he pursues me with goodness and uh, mercy, and I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, the problem with Piper's analogy is it focuses too much on the mansion because David was focused on the Lord himself, not what the Lord could give. What counts for David is being with God, God being with him, the good and the loving shepherd. That was his focus. One thing I have asked, he said in Psalm 27, one thing I have asked of the Lord that I'm going to seek after, and that's that I can dwell in the house of the Lord forever, all the days of my life, just to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of in his temple. See, I am going to live in the house of the Lord forever. It's like, had I died that day when I had that heart attack, or if the bear had eaten me, I can't lose. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. I will fear no evil. No evil can really harm me. The entire psalm leads us to God himself, and that all of our fulfillment is found in him, and not in all these peripheral things. So we're not drawn so much to the green pastures, but we're drawn more to the good shepherd who leads us there. Not so much drawn loving the lavish banquet, but rather the gracious host who has shed his grace abroad on us. It's not so much our focus on, hey, the free vacation in Florida. No, it's about the pursuit of the highway patrolman bringing goodness and mercy to me. David's desire was this. He would go back to the tabernacle and worship the Lord forever. God's mercy and kindness to us ought to evoke that same kind of response. I just want to worship him. So as I reflect on Psalm 23, how can you not just want to worship a God like this? See, in the Psalm, it's relevant. God feeds. He protects. 
I don't need to fear any evil. He, he restores my soul. I need re restoration. He leads me into a right path, which I desperately need. He protects. He provides security. He provides uh, fulfillment. There's a, only fulfillment is found in Him. So let me ask you this question. Where are you in all of this? Do you want? Hmm. Are you looking for God to direct your path, or you just make your own decisions? and hope that God blesses and turns out okay. Do, do you live with fear? Fear has torment. God invites us to trust Him. He's with us. Nothing else to fear. Are you pursuing stuff, pursuing what you really can't attain, and even if you get it, there is no lasting fulfillment in it? God Himself is the fulfillment of all of our longings. I want to encourage you to get that. Turn to Him. Make Him the center of your life. He comes to bring you abundant life. Let's pray. Father, I pray for all of those today that are listening, uh, that you would speak to them directly to their heart, that they say, I do want to forgive me, O Lord. I, I want to focus on you. That we have been looking in the wrong places for the fulfillment of our longings, which can only be found in you, O God. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us of that today. Amen.